We've been going through the Psalms in January. It's always interesting to look a bit deeper at the Psalms. There's so many of them and it's nice to stop and look at them uh, perhaps that we wouldn't always come across in our Bible reading. Um, So Psalm 111 and uh, next week we'll be starting our series on Luke, going back into Luke for term one. Let's hear the word of God. Praise the Lord. I will extol the Lord with all my heart in the council of the upright and in the assembly. Great are the works of the Lord. They are pondered by all who delight in them. Glorious and majestic are his deeds and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works, giving them the lands of other nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are steadfast forever and ever, done in faithfulness and uprightness. He provided redemption for his people. He ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belongs eternal praise. Amen. And uh, next week we'll be getting back into the Gospel of Luke, which will be really great. Let's just pray as we look at God's word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that the Holy Spirit has inspired your word and we pray that you would help us uh, to understand your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, the beginning of the year can be a busy time for uh, ministers. There's a lot going on, uh, scripture starting up and things like that. So um, the beginning of year is a busy time for me. Um, What about for you? What about for all of us? A busy time? Uh, But the new year can also bring um, challenges, but the new year can also bring a fresh start, can't it? Which is a lovely thing about a new year. New opportunities, new hopes, new goals for our year this year. A question, how are we going to go with God this year? Uh, How are we going to grow in God this year, in 2019? A big question to start with, how will we respond to the awesome God in 2019? How are we going to grow in him? How are we going to put to death those sins of ours? How are we going to keep growing to be more and more like Jesus this year? How will we respond to him, the awesome God, in 2019? Well, that's our question as we begin. Let's uh, get into the psalm, Psalm 111. And uh, in verses 1 to 3, we see that the author here of this psalm gives public praise to God for his mighty acts. Have a look at verse 1. He says, Praise the Lord. I will extol the Lord with all my heart. The word extol means to praise lavishly, to let it all out there, to go overboard in how much you love God. I will extol the Lord 
With all my heart, he says, in the council of the upright and in the assembly. So he's praising God in the council of the upright and in the assembly. It's in the courts of the church. It's in the assembly. It's, it's in a big gathering. He's praising God. Uh, I know with the um, church assembly that uh, I have to go to with an elder every year in Sydney, it's really nice that they've started to praise God at the start of every day. They have singing and, uh, and they have a sermon as well in the afternoon. It's wonderful to be together in that assembly and to praise the Lord. You see, this is about the public praise of God, isn't it, here in this verse? Now, that's uh, easy enough um, at, a, at a church meeting, um, but what about out in your life? What's it going to look like to publicly praise the Lord in our dark world? You're going to need courage to do that in your life, aren't you? To let people know how you feel about the Lord. Out there in that assembly of non-Christians, look at the verse there, out there in the council, council workers, how are you going to praise God publicly at the council? We're going to need courage. We're going to need God's help. How are we going to do it? It's by remembering how great God is. Remembering how great what God has done. That's how we'll get out there and praise the Lord to others. Have a look at verse 2. Great are the works of the Lord. They are pondered by all who delight in them. Pondered. When was the last time we spent some time pondering what God has done? Uh, There was a great preacher from the 1700s called Jonathan Edwards. And uh, in the writings about him, it says sometimes he would miss dinner because he was so busy thinking about God. You know, he probably got a bit hungry from time to time, but uh, he was caught up in his love for God. That's the kind of fired upness that that this psalm calls God's people to have for the Lord. See there in verse 2 it says, We delight in the Lord. We delight in him. See in verse 3, Glorious and majestic are his deeds. You see when we remember how glorious and majestic God is, how glorious what he's done is, then that will give us boldness to get out there and praise God in the world to others. This psalm writer gives praise to the Lord, public praise to God for God's mighty acts, his acts of creation, his acts of redemption. He praises God. It's encouragement to us to see the opportunities God opens for us to share about the Lord's death on the cross. Praising God publicly in our lives. But uh, we've got to ask in this psalm, what does this guy here think is so good about what God has done? Why is he so excited? Well, in verses 4 to 9, we see he talks about the works of the Lord in redemption. Have a look at verse 4. He says, He's caused his wonders to be remembered. His wonders in saving them from Egypt. His works of redemption and freeing them. It says, he did this because he is gracious and compassionate. So God loves his people. He is gracious and compassionate to us. When God saves people, it's always an act of grace. Grace means 
uh, a gift that I don't deserve. Uh, when Mel and I were living in Sydney for a couple of months last year, we went out to um, a bistro meal with some friends of ours before Savannah was born, and uh, they, these friends are Chinese, and uh, it was Chinese New Year at the time, and so they gave us a little red envelope with Chinese writing on it, and you know what was in the envelope? Two envelopes, about 100 bucks each. What for? Just for showing up to... Uh, to dinner with them, but that was a, what they did on Chinese New Year. They give people money as a gift. It was an undeserved gift. I didn't deserve it. It was gracious. Grace is an undeserved gift. Just like God has shown his grace to Israel over the years in his love for them, just like he's shown his grace to us through the cross of Christ. An undeserved gift to us. From God. Look at the verse. He is gracious and compassionate. That's how God is towards us, how lucky we are, how blessed. Uh, look at verse 5. It says, He provides food for those who fear Him. And that was really great to reflect on that in the kids' talk. Um, the Lord pro- provided food for the Israelites in the desert with the manna and the quail. He was keeping His covenant to save them and to help them. Look at verse 6. He has shown his people the power of his works, giving them the lands of other nations. So once again, he's faithful to his covenant to bring them into the promised land. He's promised to redeem them. Verse 7, the works of his hands are faithful and just. He keeps his promises and his word is trustworthy. All his precepts are trustworthy. Verse 8, they are steadfast forever. They cannot be moved. God's word stands the test of time and he's always faithful. What he promises, he carries out. See in verse 9, he provided redemption for his people just as he promised. He ordained his covenant forever. So he is the God of redemption, the God of freedom, the God of salvation. Can we trust him? Yes, he's the God who redeems us too. Who sets us free from slavery to our sin. And gives us new life with God. Uh, See in verse 9 it says, He provided redemption through his covenant. And do you remember that's what? Jesus says when he's giving the Lord's Supper to his disciples, this is my blood, the blood of the covenant. So Jesus died so that God could be faithful to his covenant to save his people. Our freedom came through God's faithfulness to his word to save. So we see the works of the Lord in redemption in verses 4 to 9. And we think of Jesus' death on the cross for us. But then the psalm's going to tell us how should we respond to this redemption? How are we going to live as God's people towards a God who's saved us so amazingly? We've seen the psalm writer says, give praise to him in public for his mighty acts. He says, remember his works of redemption. But then how are we going to respond to this again? And he's going to talk about wisdom 
isn't he, in verse 10. Uh, I don't know if you like the Lord of the Rings movies. Got a couple of fans down here. I don't mind them. And um, I don't mind the character Gandalf. Gandalf is this big old wizard with a big long beard and does some cool things in the Lord of the Rings movies. And he's uh, portrayed as a very wise character, the wise wizard Gandalf. How can we be wise? How do we respond wisely to this great redemption of God? I think the big idea of this psalm is verse 10. The fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, um, what does this mean, this concept to, to fear the Lord? Uh, I used to have a dog, a schnauzer, called Petey. And um, he used to get really afraid in thunderstorms and he'd go and hide behind the couch. Uh, is this kind of the kind of fear that we're meant to have before the Lord? Well, of course, if we turned up into God's presence with our sin before us, we would be trembling, we would be terrified. Of course, God is amazingly awesome and holy. But I think the, the fearing of the Lord that we are meant to have as his people... Um, also can take a different turn. It's about reverence. It's about great respect. The Collins Dictionary um, defines reverence as a profound respect for another person. Is that how we feel about the King of Kings? How do we show that? A friend of mine used to have members' tickets to the SCG and uh, every year we would go to the cricket test and back in, I think it was 2004, we went to see India play Australia and you know Australia just got walloped by India. But uh, back then uh, it was a fairly even contest and, um, and so I went, walked down from the top of the members' stand down to the bottom where you can see the players' rooms I went outside India's players' room and lo and behold, a few feet away from me was the great Sachin Tendulkar. And I looked at him and I just shook my head and walked off. Because I was an Aussie fan, right? I despised him. But do you know what he did then? He went out and he scored 243 not out and he just destroyed the Australians. So I despised him, but I respect him. I mean, what a player he was. Well, friends, if that's how I could approach a cricket player, how much more, how much more should we have a profound respect for the Lord? Do we want to be wise? Verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A profound respect, a profound reverence for our God is what this is talking about. What's this going to look like in your daily life? Or maybe you'll be at work and uh, someone will ask you to cut a corner, cut a moral corner. It doesn't matter, does it? But you won't do that because you're a Christian and because you fear God. You'll hold on to your principles. You'll hold on to the scriptures, even at personal cost. You see, will we make a plan to be Griffith's wisest people by fearing the Lord, by respecting him, by honouring him, by being serious about the Bible? It's 100% true. By being serious about God, by being passionate about our faith, 
It's fearing the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, That fellow I told you about before, Jonathan Edwards, the preacher from the 1700s, um, when he first became a Christian, he was converted by reading the verse in 1 Timothy, which says, Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honour and glory forever and ever. And when he read that verse, he became a Christian. Listen to what he says about that moment. He says, As I read the words, there came into my soul... Uh, and as it were diffused through it a sense of the glory of the divine being, a new sense quite different from anything I'd ever experienced before, I thought with myself how excellent a being that was and how happy I should be if I might enjoy that God and be wrapped up to God in heaven and swallowed up in him. Wonderful words, aren't they? Uh, Peter Barnes, a church historian, says this about that moment. He says, Edwards had beheld the holy beauty of God and for the rest of his life he was governed by a sense of what might be called the sweetness of the grace of God. You see, do we fear our Lord like that, like Jonathan Edwards? Do we have that profound respect for the greatness of our Creator, We need to ask the Lord to show us again and again how amazing and huge and powerful and gracious and loving he is. The one who created everything died on the cross for your salvation. Do we understand the greatness of this God? Like Edwards, have we been swallowed up, as it were, by the greatness of the Lord? Because the fear of that Lord, the respect of that Lord, the reverence of that Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If we want to be wise, we look up to the King and we worship him. 1 Timothy says, To the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honour and glory forever and ever. Amen.